Well, hey, good morning, Center Church. Are you awake this morning? Are you as fired up as I am? Okay, all right. I'm excited to be here. I love coming down here. If you don't know who I am, my name's David. Uh, I just want to welcome you and just say it's so good to be with you. Uh, I have a unique, uh, unique role. Uh, Danny was just talking about the Zero Collective app, uh, and so I'm on the Zero Collective staff, and uh, that just means a couple of us churches uh, here in Grand Rapids and West Michigan uh, are actually connected together, and so I get to bounce around at the different churches and visit, but that's also the reason why John, your normal lead pastor, is not here today. So John and Lindsay are actually at another Zero Collective church. They're just filling in together give that pastor a break. So John is using the right side of his brain. He's actually leading worship this morning, and Lindsay is preaching there. So they're somewhere else. I'm here. You're stuck with me, and I can't wait for what I'm talking about today. So uh, we're going to dive right in. Opening question, I just want to ask you this. Uh, Who impacted you? Who made an impact on you when you were growing up? If you you think about that, look back. uh, Who who had an impact on you? Who, like, did you see somebody on TV? Did you attend a concert? Was there somebody that you saw from a distance and you went, that person is amazing? Uh, March Madness, I'm in basketball mode. Anybody else in basketball mode? Uh, I think back to, like, the first time I saw Michael Jordan play. Like, I I was in Chicago, so, like, he was mine, right? That's what I felt like. I grew up in Chicago. He was our player. A bunch of you, you love Michael Jordan, too, but you didn't live in Chicago, right? You kind of get what I'm saying? He was mine. He had an impact on me. I lived there. He was on our team. He did some amazing stuff, and so it inspired me. Like, I I could be a basketball player. I could be Michael Jordan. That's what I thought when I was younger. Thank you for the the sarcastic laugh in the room. (laughs) I was like, I could do this. So we moved, we actually, before that, I was in central Illinois. So we moved to Chicago and I'm like, I'm following Michael's footsteps. Like here I am, he went to Chicago. Now I'm going to Chicago. Uh, And I was not the next Michael Jordan. Not at all. Uh, In fact, I hate running. Uh, I have asthma. I played that card all throughout my elementary school. I said, I can't run the mile. It worked out great until I had a teacher who had asthma and said, suck it up, buttercup, start running. So I, I was not the next Michael Jordan, but he had an impact on me. I mean, it, it's like he really changed how I looked at or saw the game. There were other experiences that I had that had a significant impact on me uh, growing up. But you want to know what changed me? What actually transformed me was I was on a basketball team in middle school and in high school. I had two different coaches that actually invested in me and changed my life because it was no longer about basketball. You know what I'm talking about? Like people that have, that have made an investment in you, that have helped transform you. Now it was about life. Now it was about teamwork. Now it was about character. Now it was about diligence and working hard, work ethic. I had two different coaches that I, I would do anything for. Basketball was the setting in which this relationship happened. But I walked in one person. I joined the team. I walked on the court one person. And when I left, I was somebody totally different. I want to say this is kind of the direction that we're headed today is this. There's a big difference between being impacted and being transformed. There's a significant, a big, a large difference between being impacted by someone and being transformed by someone. Being impacted is you made an impression on me. Impacted is, wow, you wowed me. Impacted is, hmm, you made me think about something differently or I I experienced something that maybe I hadn't experienced before. Transformed is I changed as a result. There is no going back. There is no undoing. What happened actually changed the course and the direction of my life forever. There's a big difference between being impacted by Jesus and being transformed by him. 
So there's a character we're gonna dive into today. We're in this series called Graves to Gardens, and we're tracking Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday of the Easter story. So last week we did Good Friday. This week is Saturday, even though it's Palm Sunday. So just check out of that brain for those of you left brains. Check out of that one. Today we're in Saturday of the Cross, as in like Jesus died last night, and then today this is where we're sitting in it. And there's a man that surfaces, and his name is Nicodemus, but we actually meet him much earlier in the Gospels, and so that's where we're going to take you. So if you have a Bible, John chapter 3, verse 1, uh, it goes like this. Now there was a Pharisee, so a Pharisee was a religious leader. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. This guy had prestige, he had position, he had power, he had education, he had wealth. This is a Pharisee in the time. This was a significant leader in the community. He came to Jesus at what time? At night. That's super important. Let's, we'll revisit that in a second. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, calls him Rabbi which means teacher. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Here's what's so interesting. The religious leaders were the ones that held a fake trial that condemned Jesus, that sent him to the cross. And this man, his name is Nicodemus, was a part of that group. Why did he seek Jesus out at night? Why did he seek Jesus out? Because he doesn't want to be identified with him. Because this is, this is different, this could be costly. This is, if I could put different words, Nicodemus has been impacted by Jesus. He, he's saying this, I've seen you from afar, I've watched you, you're doing crazy things nobody's done. In fact, God must be with you. You're, this is un, unbelievable, incredible. There's people that are following you, there's people that believe that you're the Messiah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You've made an impression on me. So I'm going to come to you under the cover and darkness of night so that I can talk and ask questions to see if you're the real deal. But there's no change that's happened to Nicodemus. He's hiding. He's being private. He's being secretive. And he's asking Jesus, like, who are you? Who are you for real? Let's keep reading. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God. He's looking to see the kingdom of God. Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. This is a grown man. What do you think of when someone says, unless you're born again? I was in the hospital room when my son was born. I don't, I don't want to go through that experience myself. I mean, just acknowledge the, the awkwardness. Jesus knows what he's talking about, and he knows Nicodemus doesn't. So Jesus says, unless you've been born again, let me use a different word, unless you've been transformed, unless you've been born again, unless you've had a restart, you won't see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus, like many of us, is confused because he's thinking, how do I even do that? Like th this, is, this is what he says. Let's just keep reading. Verse four, how can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus says. <laughs> David translation here. Uh, I don't think that's possible. I don't think I can do that, and I'm certainly not bringing that up to my mom, right? Jesus goes, let's not even go there. Verse five, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, for which Nicodemus goes, oh, okay, good. We don't have to do that. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Why shouldn't he be surprised? Because he's a Pharisee. 
because he's a Jewish leader, because he's been educated, because he, his job is like my job right now. It's educating, it's sharing, it's pointing to Jesus, looking at the scriptures, looking at the Old Testament, understanding and unpacking for the sake of other people, this is who Jesus is. And Jesus is going, but you don't even get it. You, you don't even understand. That's the point of frustration for both of them is that Nicodemus doesn't understand, but Jesus also knows he doesn't understand. And then this is what's crazy. This interaction, I just thought this was worth sharing. Uh, just a couple of verses later, Jesus actually says to him one of the most famous Christian verses in all of Christianity, John three sixteen. Jesus says, for God so loved the world and gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That phrase, that verse, that piece of scripture that almost every one of us, if not all of us in the room has heard, Jesus said to Nicodemus, talking about this is who I am. And that's how the, the story ends with Nicodemus, at least in that piece. He surfaces once more a couple chapters later, and it's very brief and has no significance. We don't meet Nicodemus again until a long ways away at the end of Jesus' ministry. But here's the deal. I want to go back to the slide. And if you haven't written this down yet, please write this down. There's a big difference between being impacted by Jesus and being transformed by Jesus, right? Many of us have been to great concerts. We've heard great speakers. We've probably had unique experiences all over the world, but few of us have had very significant transformational experiences, especially in our walk with Jesus. There's few of us that we say we can look back at our time or at our interaction or our relationship with Jesus and say, when I stepped into this piece, it changed every part of me forever. It changed everything that I can go back and I can look to a specific spot in my life, a specific encounter, a specific relationship, a specific moment that I had with Jesus that I made a decision, I made a course correction, I made a directional change, I did it. A few of us can look back and say, and it changed everything since. Do you know what happens for most of us? What happens for most of us is, is we have this significant experience with Jesus and we walk away and we say, that impacted me forever. That was amazing. I remember that one time that I was there, I felt like God spoke. It was incredible. It was amazing. It was special. It was unique. I had no doubt. Man, that was the day I made a decision. And then we go right back to doing life the way that we've done life forever. And most of us, if we actually like look at our lives, our temptation, let me just tell you this ahead of time, our temptation always, when we hear a story, when we hear a sermon, when we hear a passage, is to put ourselves in the winning seat. And my, I just want to help us all here. We're not. Most of us in this room want to say, Jesus has transformed me. But the truth is, most of us in here, Jesus has impacted us. Most of us have been impacted by him rather than transformed. And so really an important question to ask is if nothing changed after we gave our lives to Jesus, if nothing significant changed afterwards, the question is this, did we? Did we actually change? Were we actually transformed or were we simply impacted? Impact. I wrote this one because I simple, if I can make it simple. 
Impact equals significant encounters. Transformation equals life-altering relationship. If I go back when I told you Michael Jordan had an impact on me, I've never had a relationship with him. I've never met him. I've never talked to him. He's never spoken to me. He's never written to me. He certainly hasn't watched any of my film. Wouldn't be embarrassed to send that his way. <laughs> hey, what do you think? You know, overweight white kid running down the court, not dunking it. <laughs> that was usually, that was my dream growing up. I was like, yeah, I'll just slam it down like Michael. I couldn't reach halfway up. I was the tallest kid on the team. So I'm going to go back to this question. Have you been impacted by Jesus? Have you liked what, it, what he said? Do you have favorite Bible verses? Do you put artwork up in your house? Do you do, you, do, you do the two-minute read like in the morning, first thing, like you wake up? Are you religious? Are you attending church? Are you here all the time? Or like has, has it deeply changed every part of you? Every interaction, every opportunity, every relationship, every dollar, do you see it with a kingdom mindset? Or is it easy just like it is for me? First one, I'm going first to just slip into the way that you've always done things. And Jesus, the most transformational person to ever walk the planet, gets simplified down to a, an impact rather than a life change. This is a sad part. Um, I've been in ministry about seven, seven and a half years now. Um, and this is my experience. Most churches are full, they're chock full of people who've been impacted by Jesus. And it's super difficult to find people who have been radically transformed. People who look back to a certain moment and go, that's when it changed everything. That's when it changed my marriage, that's when it changed my personal life, that's when it changed my career, that's when it changed my, my relationship with God, how I see God, my intentions towards God, it, it, my, my relationship with my children, how I see my work, how I see my retirement, it literally changed everything and people on the outside notice. In ministry, in ministry for seven and a half years, I've not met a lot of those people. That stinks. Let's keep reading. John 19, this is when Nicodemus actually resurfaces. John 19, verse 38. Look at when he resurfaces. Uh, Jesus is on the cross. Jesus dies. He breathes his last breath. Curtain tears, earthquake, dead people walking around. Like pretty significant, some might say a traumatic experience. You know, it, when you see people you've buried and they're walking around, you're like, mm, not right. Something's, something's, something's wrong in this situation. Jesus, son of God, dies on the cross, and it says this, after this, his body is just hanging there. It's bloody, it's drying up, it's hot, it's sweaty, it's stinky. Jesus' body is just drooped, it's lifeless. It says this, later, Joseph of Arimathea, we've never met him, this is the first time we've ever met him. Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but, say this next word with me, Secretly, secretly, because he feared who? The Jewish leaders. And John tells us this, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by who? A religious leader, a Pharisee. 
Nicodemus resurfaces as a disciple of Jesus when he's one of two people. Jesus impacted thousands in his ministry. Thousands. Two people show up to get his body after he died. A rich man who followed him in secret and Nicodemus, a Pharisee, who also moved from impact to transformation and was willing to risk it all, bet it all, sacrifice it all because Jesus was who he said he was. And Nicodemus looked at the line and he said, there's no going back. Every person in my life will know that I was here on this day that I helped take possession of the body of Jesus and bury it. And then look, look at what he happened, or look what happened. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Do you know what Jewish burial customs uh, involved? Approximately five pounds of burial spices approximately five, which would range in about four to $8,000 in today's world. That's what I could find. Nicodemus brings 75, an estimated value of 100 to $200,000 to bury Jesus. You tell me, does it look like impact or does it look like transformation? Impact doesn't require anything of us other than a wow or a thank you. Transformation requires everything. Every person who sat on the council with him would have seen it and imagine this. No longer is it there you are getting his body. Now you're, you're spending how much on the guy we put there? I mean, there was no turning back. Let's keep reading this last part here, verse 41. I love this. It says, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. There's another referral to a garden in scripture is in Genesis. It was when God created everything. And it was good, and it was right, and it was whole, and it was holy, and it was perfect. God created the garden. He created humanity. And it was there, right at the dawn of creation, that Adam and Eve made a decision that impacted and changed us forever. Forever. It introduced sin, it introduced brokenness, it introduced a curse on the land, it introduced pain. I mean, it, it introduced all of these other things that so many of us have just come, become accustomed to. And then it says at the cross, there was a garden nearby. And I just can't help but think about the imagery for God saying, I'm rewriting the story. But maybe he's not rewriting. Maybe it's been the plan all along that God knew humanity would do what we did in the garden. Because Adam and Eve, it, it's so easy for me. I'd love to do this. Mm, it's Adam's fault. It's Eve's fault. It's not my fault. I'm just a victim. 
You, you put any one of us in the garden at the beginning of creation, God says, don't touch, don't eat, because it's, it's not good for you. And, and we ask the question, eh, for real? I'd rather decide. I'd rather taste. I'd rather find out. I'd rather make that decision. And so any one of us would have taken the fruit and eaten it, but none of us would have been able to calculate the cost of our sin. Isn't that true in life? Very few of us can calculate the cost of our sin before we commit it. And it says, here Jesus is, and there's a garden nearby, and it's as if God is saying, hey, restart, restart. That through Jesus, through my son, you could be transformed. Like a seed that is buried in a garden a couple days later or a couple weeks later with the right conditions, you will actually see something new and something full of life that will emerge. That's what happened. Says they buried him in a tomb. You may as well say they buried him in the ground. And shortly, shortly thereafter, we would see life that came as a result of the death. So I just want to ask this again. Has Jesus impacted you or transformed you? Jesus did not die on a cross so that we could be impacted by him so that we could be good, so that we could go to church, so that we could do the right things, so we could live lives that look like everybody else, but then we go somewhere when we die that's better and everybody else goes to hell. That's not why Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross so that we would be transformed. That when we interact with him, when we meet him for the very first time, we look at it like a stake in the ground and we say, he just changed everything, everything. So, so to the point that there is no cost that is too great. There, there is no sin that we've done or committed. There's nothing that we've struggled with. There's no part of our identity that actually can't be reborn in Jesus. He's saying flesh gives birth to flesh. Guess what? That's like Adam and Eve gave birth to sin. Ta-da, here we are. If you struggle, if you're addicted, if you're broken, if you've cheated, if you what, fill in the blank, Jesus goes, hey, I can work with that. Because flesh will produce flesh, but spirit produces something else. If you will let me into your heart, and that's the key, if you will let him, if you will let him into the spaces that you don't want to let him in, he'll change it. And if we're being super honest, which you can tell I am today, if we're being super honest, most of us don't want to allow Jesus into certain areas of our heart because we know he'll change it. It'll cost too much. It'll hurt too much. It will require too much. And it's easier for us just to say, I'd rather just keep doing life the way I've done it. I'd rather not change anything. I'd rather not try anything. I'd rather not do anything in front of people. I'd rather not confess. I'd rather not own it. I'd rather just continue living life the way I have because it's gotten me this far. And I'm gonna be the first one, maybe not the first one, I'm gonna be another one to tell you, you're robbing yourself. You're robbing yourself of life that is truly life. Because when you let Jesus into the most broken area of your life, he will change everything. Uh, I remember, uh, so I grew up in church. For those of you that don't know me, um, my dad's a pastor. I grew up in church. I've been in church my whole life. And uh, I had the, the Sunday morning behavior pretty down pat. You know what I'm talking about? 
uh, always beware of pastor's kids. They know how the system works. They know how you see them, and we know how to fake it, and we fake it well. And so I did. I faked it. I faked it well. Sundays were good. Sundays were fine. I knew the right Bible verses. I knew what to say. Oh, good morning. I'm so blessed. It's great to be with you. Blah, 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 blah. I was just faking it. Everybody bought it. They loved it. They ate it all up. Just like so many of you, right? We just eat that up. Man, if I was being super straight and super honest with people, I'd walk in on Sunday morning and go, I am hurting more than I've ever hurt in my entire life. This was a lot of, this was a significant part of my high school experience. I was hurting. I was broken, I was struggling, I was caught up in sin, I was lonely, I was angry, I was frustrated, many of them at my family, many of those emotions also at God, but I put on the face, I was happy. You know what something that, this is funny, you know what changed, like it was like that first step that really changed the direction of my life is I went to Haiti as a high schooler. I got invited to go on a mission trip that I didn't wanna go on. People used to ask me, they're like, hey, do you want to travel the world? In high school, I got voted most likely to live in another country. Think about that. Like, I've been to one place outside the U.S. Why? I went to Haiti. It changed everything. For the first time ever, I met people that had a joy that I coveted, that I didn't have, that I'd never experienced. People who were believers who had a relationship with Jesus had more than I ever had. And I, it was like the first sense of like, they, I'm experiencing something right now that is changing me forever. That summer I, I worked as a manny. It was, a, it was the worst summer ever. I was a parent to two. Uh, one was like, I think she was like a 14-year-old girl and the other one was a 12-year-old boy. She, he loved to squeal. I mean, just like a... I mean, he just, everything, he drove me nuts, and she loved to make him squeal. So here I am, like 16, 17 years old, going, why, why am I doing this? I asked for a raise in the first two weeks. That's how bad it was. I said, can I get a raise? And they're like, sure, how about like 10 more dollars? I was like, for the week? Are you kidding me? It was the worst ever. So I, I instituted this thing. I said, uh, we're doing timeouts for like three hours. So you go to your room, you go to your room, I'm going downstairs. I did it, for real. I'm like, $10 raise, you get what you pay for it. So I, I grabbed a book. I grabbed a book. It was called uh, Crazy Love by Francis Chant. Some of you maybe have read that book. Um, for the first time ever, I was reading about the love that God had for me that I'd never felt like I experienced in my life. So these two kids are off doing their own thing. I'm downstairs. I'm on the couch. I'm flipping through page after page after page. And Francis has articulated, this is who God is for real. He loves you. He died for you. He has a life for you. He doesn't want to take from you. He actually wants to give you. And I was so moved. I, I, started give, I started looking for opportunities in my life where I could just give him, where I could trust him, where I could invite, invite him into places that I held tight. I actually let him in. It, it started that process of transitioning towards transformation. I ended up in college, and I found myself in the first, college was so pivotal for me because I had to make the decision for the first time in my life. I no longer had to go somewhere where it was expected. I had to go where I wanted and I wanted to know who this Jesus was for real. And I found myself on my face in my dorm room at night, weeping, praying, asking, saying, God, would you please reveal yourself to me like you have other people in my life? Would you please prove to me that you're real? 
Would you please allow me to understand how you actually see me, how you feel about me? I, I kept putting myself in different experiences and in different interactions in different groups with different people who could speak into my life on a spiritual standpoint and it changed me. It transformed me to the point that I was given the opportunity. I was at a conference. The pastor gets up and he preaches the gospel and he says, some of you are in the middle of your own funeral. And I went, present they said Jesus wants to interrupt it if he'll let him and I stood up I raised my hand I said I'm ready I'm sick of my funeral it stinks I hate it here invited Jesus to come in and that was the moment that Jesus invited me into this ministry this is the one thing I swore never do never my life has been a constant revisiting. Jesus beckoning me and calling me, don't go back to the old patterns. Don't go back to the old sin. Don't go back to the old pattern of relationship. Don't go back in your own career. Don't go back into managing money the way that you always did. Come in and follow me and allow me to change everything. Last thing I want to leave you with is this. You guys are moving into a brand new space, brand new building. I can't be more ecstatic. Is that all the excitement we have in here? Come on. You guys have been waiting for this forever. You're going to a brand new space, a permanent space in this community. You know the message that that says? That says we're not going anywhere. That says we care about you. That says we, we want to, to sacrifice, we want to provide, we want to serve, we want to give, we want to create an opportunity for you to be transformed by Jesus, not just impacted. You could move to this next space and you could have a great impact on your community. And they might look at you and go, they're so good. They meet there. They pack the place out every Sunday morning. But during the week, we have no idea where they are. We have no idea who they are. We have no idea what they do or what they stand for. But, but woohoo, they made an impact on us. They took over that space. Transformation looks like inviting people in the community in to experience God every single week. Transformation looks like you inviting people into your home people from your work, people from your neighborhood, people that you meet at church on a Sunday morning and say, you want to be a part of our family? You want to be a part of our group? That will transform people. Jesus is at work, and I think he wants to transform this community through you. But to do that, he must first transform you. So just as I close in prayer, I just want you to wrestle with this. What, what do you need to give to him now? What part of your heart do you need to grant him access? What part, like Nicodemus, requires you to step forward and to go up front and in front of a group of people to acknowledge? Maybe it's confessing something. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's sharing your testimony. There's a public component of following Jesus that precedes transformation. What is that next step for you? Let's pray together. Father, we just pray that you would stir the hearts of people in this room. Father, we love you. You have just blessed us so much through the person of Jesus. You've provided an opportunity, not for us to just have, to be impacted by him, but to be transformed, to be changed, to be renewed, to be reborn. Father, so many of us have settled for so much less 
We've settled for less of you in our personal walk. We've settled for less of you in our marriage. We've settled less for you in our church experience or in our worship experience. Father, I pray that during this next song that we would be so moved out of love and gratitude and worship for you that we would worship in a way maybe we haven't ever before. Maybe it's been years. Maybe it's been decades. I pray, Father, that as we close our eyes here in just a second and sing this song that we might give you the worship and the praise and the glory and the honor that you deserve because you've changed us. And Father, for those that maybe are resistant to you, to those that aren't sure, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you might speak to them and you would tell them that you love them. I pray that you would speak to them, that they would feel and understand that you hear them, that you're with them when they're crying late at night, that you're with them when they're afraid sitting at work on lunch break, that you're with them wondering if you're all alone, wondering if this is all that there is, wondering if you're even for real. Father, I just pray that you would speak to the heart of the person in the room right now that needs to hear from you. That the marriage is not done. That you have so much more planned and in mind for them. If we will let you. Father, hear the cry of our hearts. Meet us where we're at and change us on a level that only you can. We love you. And we all prayed together and said this in Jesus' name.